For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast Podcast with your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians back once again. We're mixing it up a little bit. We've gone AFC, NFC, and we've alternated for our divisional previews, but we've made an executive decision that we're instead of doing the AFC South today, we're doing the NFC South. So we're flipping them AFC South later in the week, and obviously that has a lot to do with the first team. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints and the uh, situation regarding Michael Thomas being placed on the PUP list. And uh, just to let everybody know they can't see this, but Jamie's name is in our uh, recording session today is it's supposed to say slant boy, but he's crossed out the word slant and has put PUP boy because he thinks he's funny and he's got a nice smirk on his face while I tell this story. I don't think I'm funny, Chris. I know I'm funny. So since we are going in the order in which the division finished last year, that means the saints are up first in this conversation. So we will start there and biggest bus potential. And Jake and I were having a conversation, Jamie, before you uh, joined the recording. I was like that this one I didn't feel great about and I don't like what player I picked here because I think it's unfair to the player. So I will let you go first with that preface. I feel like we're probably going to be on the same page on on who Uh, this player is. All right. Is it Alvin Kamara? It is. Yeah. Here's where this will go back to the conversation we had on the very first podcast when I talked about this of I am not projecting him to be a bust. He's currently my RB5 and my number five overall player. So I'm not saying don't draft Alvin Kamara. But what I am saying is that we talk about bust potential. I have brought this up on the show before last year when Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, which again, there's a possibility he's going to be that. We don't have any data with Jameis Winston as the starter that's significant for Alvin Kamara. He was down in the mid-14 fantasy points per game mark over those over those handful of games. That's not great. Like That would push him into RB2 territory, and his average now, if just looking at my projections, 
if he were to average just strictly what he did with Taysom Hill last year, he would be hanging around RB19, RB20. Like, that's just not what you want from a first-round pick, a top guy. Now, if you go back and look at that five-game stretch a couple years ago when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback in New Orleans and, and Drew Brees was out, he was up more around a little, little bit over 19 fantasy points per game. Okay, well, that would put him, based on my projections right now, hanging around RB7, RB8, which is like, okay, like that, that's, a, that's a first-round caliber running back. So the question becomes, and obviously he's been north of 20 points per game with Drew Brees as a starter, so we know what he could be in that territory. So the issue becomes of what do we think is more likely to happen? I still am the belief that Jameis Winston is going to be the starter, and I think we're going to see something more like Teddy Bridgewater levels of production from Alvin Kamara than we're going to see Taysom Hill level of production from him. But we also have to realize that Sean Payton believes in Taysom Hill. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but every indication for years now is that he believes in Taysom Hill. We can't rule out that possibility, particularly if you have to draft before they name a week one starter. So it's something to be aware of. Um, I actually do not think this Michael Thomas injury helps him. That was the the narrative I saw on social media a ton. I, I don't think that helps Alvin Kamara at all. Like I, I saw them, oh, he's going to get six rushing touchdowns in week one. This team ain't going to move the ball very well. So I don't know how he's going to get six rushing touchdowns in week one just because Michael Thomas is, is, is out. So I would still take him in the top five. I would still take him as my RB5, number five overall player. But we do have to realize there is a very real scenario here where we can be a month from now and Taysom Hill's the starter and all of a sudden Alvin Kamara's an RB2. I love all that. And I don't know who the hell else you'd write down in this position. I put like slash Adam Troutman because I don't know if Taysom Hill wants to be a tight end that throws to another tight end. And Jameis Hill doesn't throw to the tight end very much. I'll make a case for Alvin Kamara that their offensive line is still pretty damn good. If he's healthy, he's still the guy. I don't know who the hell else you're going to. So to your argument about Michael Thomas, I don't. I agree. I don't think it helps him. I don't know that it hurts him. I don't know who the hell else they're going to give the ball to. Sure, volume alone says he's got to still be up there, but I don't know what other name you write down because who else is any good on this offense anymore? Like, There's nobody else that has bust potential because there's nobody even close to being a top three or four round guy left on this team. Is there? Am I missing something? Nope. Like not even like I, I Michael Thomas ends up coming in. Let me see where I end up um, readjusting. And by the way, this is a cheap plug. I'll mention it again at the end of the show. But my um, updated fantasy football rankings for all positions: quarterbacks, running back, wide receivers, tight ends, kickers, and defenses uh, jumping out there too. And top two hundred will all be released on the DraftNetwork.com tomorrow. If you're listening to us on the day this drops, uh, Tuesday, July twenty seventh. If you're listening to this in the archive, so check that out. But Michael Thomas comes in for me as the wide receiver twenty seven. Uh, in my new rankings, and that puts him just at the beginning of round six. So that so aside from Alvin Kamara, would right now would be the only Saint that would be going in the first five rounds for me. I'm going to throw a caution out there on this on behind that. That's a cautionary 27. I tell you guys all the time with feet and ankles, they linger. And if he didn't have surgery till June, which is the reports, that means something went really really bad from. February, March, April, and May, that he couldn't get fixed, that couldn't be rehabbed in four months, which is a long time for an injury, that they then had to go in for a higher procedure. I think this thing lingers well into October, maybe November. If that's the case, then he's definitely below 27. And apparently, Jameis doesn't throw the slant very well, so I don't know how good their chemistry is from when he comes back. 
Real quick before we move on to the biggest sleeper here, Jamie, I think I want to just add something to your point about Kamara. The only reason why I, uh, in additional reason to why I picked Kamara for the biggest bust potential is he's really the only guy that's going in an area that you would consider bust territory, right? Any other guy that we would talk about here is yeah. going in a in a fair range to where if they bust, it's really not going to harm you. Where Kamara, if everything we talked about is true and he doesn't pan out the way scenarios could dictate then you've you've gone all in and, and it, it's bitten you yeah and if it's not him it would be michael thomas i haven't seen we haven't had a long enough period of time to see what the new adp for him would be to see what range he's kind right. of falling into but yeah i mean look we talk about this every year injury optimism bites you in the you know what more often than not i mean i'm automatically assuming we're not seeing him till week seven i mean that's already my boilerplate just assumption at this point and that's Saints having a bye week I like six. that, Jamie. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people are saying he's going to miss a month. I mean, the Saints have a bye week six, I think, is it? I, to me, at this point, I think that's an easy – if you're not damn sure, put him on pup, miss the first six weeks, just come yeah, back week a, seven. Put him on there and get a roster spot, right? I mean, yeah. You think Drew Brees looked at this team and went, I have broken ribs. I had like eight other injuries that came out. By the way, Tom Brady gets killed for having an MCL he played on since like – five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it was. Did you see the list of injuries Drew Brees played with last year that weren't on the injury report other than the, the ribs, like jacked up labrum, all this other stuff? I think he looked at this roster and went, we're salary cap death. I don't know what they have left. They could go from really good to I think they still got a pretty solid roster because the defensive line's okay, the offensive line's okay, to not being very good, guys. Yeah, like this, this was a struggle for me to get done with the Saints. Yeah, their their window is closed for me. Like yeah. it is, and, I saw and they don't. They don't have to go six and eleven yesterday. Yeah, I mean they don't have a terrible like roster, but their quarterback situation's a mess. And now they're like they have pieces that you like, but I mean I I don't love they they look they went all in several times and they never got that second one. And I don't blame them for trying, but Hell it just no. didn't you work. Gotta, out. I mean, you got Drew Brees, you got to try. I love what they yeah. built. They just always lost in the playoffs, but that. I think the window got slammed. I mean, they lost yeah. really big pieces on the defense, and this offense is—I don't know what they got. I mean, this who's the sleeper? Set you up, Chris. So yeah, the biggest sleeper on this team. I have a name written down. I'm not super confident in it, Jamie. Where did you land on this one? Uh, I went with Marquez Callaway. Um, I think there's an opportunity here for somebody to step up in this receiver room. Uh, I like Draquan Smith, but I mean, he's—I think he's going at the appropriate value fantasy-wise right now. That's who I put. Uh, that's I think, I as well. yeah, I, I love Callaway. Uh, excuse me, I love Smith as well. But uh, I think Callaway is somebody that's not even being drafted right now. You cannot even find him. Control F under Fantasy Pros ADP, and you cannot find him in the wide receiver rankings. Yeah, James, I one. love that one because this kid would have been a first round pick coming yeah. out if he didn't have all the other crap that's still following him. By the way, I mean, he's still oh, got to yeah. be on the field and have his head on straight. But you're talking about a first round athletic talent that you're now putting with a quarterback that can throw it. Yeah. And he's got the deep threat ability. That's a good one. I like that one. Yes. He's six, two. Like I, I, he's apparently did have been impressing so far, had to fight a battle to make the roster last year, was able to do it. Uh, he's my wide receiver 82. Uh, so again, he's somebody that you're looking at as a potential bench option, but this, especially if Jameis Winston plays, he's going to sling it to his they're team, to the other to team. Like he's gonna going to sling it. They're not very good. I think yeah. they're going to have to throw it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Jameis doesn't have a lot of volume to running backs, doesn't have a lot of volume to tight ends, which means the ball is going to be going out to particularly outside wide receivers. And Marquez Callaway has a chance to be that player. 
Um, I know those are other guys there like but like Deontay Harris, but to me, Traquan Smith and Marcus Galloway are the ones that will emerge in my mind as the top two receivers in, in New Orleans, at least until Michael Thomas comes back. All right. I mean, this feels redundant because I feel like the burning question we've kind of already discussed, but I will open the floor up if anybody has a burning question that is different. From what was your name, Chris? You said you for, weren't sure about it. No, was Trey it Smith? Smith. It was Trey Smith. That's who I landed on. Yeah, just because – and you're right, Jamie, that his, that his ADP – What's his ADP right this, now, Chris? So he was in the 60s, I believe. I can pull it up here um, real quick. Yeah, he probably okay, can't be a sleeper at this point because he's the only but, name but, you recognize yeah. other than Michael Thomas, but we both wrote right, him down. Right, and and Jamie, you're you. I fully agree that where he's going doesn't necessarily, you know, mean sleeper territory. But I think it's a name that people weren't thinking about. That now, yeah. because of the Michael Thomas injury, people should start thinking about a little bit more. And I kind of expect his ADP to rise. My his up my updated ranking on him is wide receiver forty seven. So uh, he's he cracked inside my top fifty receivers, and I think that's kind of end up where he'll be. We haven't seen ADP and have enough time to adjust yet right. to the Michael Thomas news. So I want to kind of see where that's he ends up going. Of- that's kind of my point. Was if he stays where he was, yeah, then he is a sleeper. Because if you right. get him 72, in that range, wide receiver seventy two. Oh wow, okay, he was going lower than I thought. I thought you were. I thought he was going to be in the sixties. If he stays there and doesn't Ooh. jump up like you're talking about, James, inside the top fifty, I think he is a sleeper because he's the number yeah. one option outside. Is their only true receiver at this point, other than Callaway, who's still very unproven. Burning question. Does anybody have anything other than what we talked about? About It's pretty much what we talked about. Where will the wide receiver production go? Because everybody's unproven in that receiver room right now. That We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. We know people are going to get the ball thrown to them, but who's it going to be? Is it consistent? Who is there going to end up being a target hog on this roster right now? That's the biggest question for me. Like Everyone's still drafting Kamara, but any of these pass catchers right now are completely up in the air, including Michael Thomas, just because, again, Guys miss the beginning of the season. It's so easy just to assume they're going to be back at the short end of their timeline, and it just never quite happens that way. By the way, you're talking about a guy that got paid. If this team sucks, say they're two and four, and they don't look very good, you think he extends that out a couple weeks? It's possible. It's possible. Like I mean, look, the Saints, this, this could be really rough for them. It really could be, uh, especially if their quarterback situation looks as bad as it looks right now. Like I know everybody's in love with with all the the TikTok videos of of Jameis Winston working out, but they're they're downgrading a quarterback no matter what happens this year and potentially massively if Taysom Hill's their starter. Okay, I'm going to warn everybody against my weekly warning of watching your TikTok <laughs> workout videos. Nobody's ever worked harder at the position than Jameis Winston. This isn't new. Otis Leverett's a good friend of mine. He's been working out Jameis since he was in eighth grade in Hoover, Alabama. This has never changed, people. It's just now on TikTok. Okay. He's not doing anything different because he's a saint than he's done his entire career. The dude works his ass off. It's never been a problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you all again from getting too hyped up watching freaking workout videos. Everybody yeah, does it. Just not everybody puts it on TikTok. As we're recording right and now. Not everybody has Otis in some of his off-the-wall sure. stuff. Well, and also, like, we're it's Monday right now. If you if, when we're recording this Monday morning, the training camp opened up for the 29 other NFL teams. So everybody's in camp now. Uh, it is absolutely silly season for hot takes. Like I've already seen it. I've already seen it 30 minutes into a Dallas Cowboys practice. People freaking out about stuff. Like I, I just, just get used to it. This is what you're going to have to do. There is information that is worth gathering. And I think that I will call this period, the information gathering. Don't overreact one way or the other. Anything happens right now, pay attention, but don't start freaking out over every 
you know, amazing play that 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 you know somebody able that doesn't practice. Like it's by the way, I, I love that. Crazy. I'm gonna throw out a little hot take of my own here on the Zeke news of being 218 the first time since his freshman year in college. If you think that's a good thing, I'm gonna say check yourself. He outgrew 218 his sophomore year. It hasn't been that light. It's not like he's not working out, right? I don't know that that's a good thing. You're talking about a guy that plays extremely physical, that finishes runs, and he's going back to a weight that I'm not sure his body can really sustain through a season. To get that light, Jamie, you do this all the time. You really watch what you eat, do all this. Like If you go too far in the opposite direction, you don't have enough energy to get through the day, much less energy to train and be an elite athlete at that level and a guy that plays with power. I don't know that it's a good thing. Yeah, he might be a little more nimble. He might feel a little quicker, that kind of stuff. But the grind of a season when you lost that much weight to start, I don't know that that's good. So while it's been spun that it's a great thing that he's let – you outgrow you're, – you're 18, 19 years old. When you get past that, it means your body wanted to get past that. You're already training hard. I don't know that it's good. I think he what he's had to do to get down that light diet-wise and stuff – remember David Johnson tried this. David Johnson watched uh, one of the Netflix specials and went and went plant, plant-based you know, protein, basically vegan, right? He loved how he looked. But he started eating meat at right way during training camp because he just was losing too much weight, couldn't carry it, didn't have any yep. power. The things you have to do, I'm going to caution you. I don't know that it's good. Yeah, I think um, I think CC Sabathia tried that as well. Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I know from a few years back when when he kind of switched that diet. Prince Fielder did the same thing and and had to end up switching back. Uh, you know, to me, I always get cautious when in either direction when I see somebody put on a ridiculous amount of weight or take off a ridiculous amount of weight from where they've been playing. Now, some players if they've had bad habits before need to change those things, particularly from college to the NFL, but rarely do you see multi-year stars in the NFL make these significant changes to their body and it not come back to bite them one way or the other. We usually see it the other way. It's like, Oh, this guy added 20 pounds of muscle. Great. He just, now he's going to get caught from behind every play. Like, right. We, so we, if you're Giannis and you grow two inches yeah. in the NBA and you gain 40 pounds, it's a good thing. I'm just, I agree with you. Any massive fluctuation for guys, this isn't his first year in the league. He's been there for a while. Now, he might look a little quicker. I just don't know how long he can sustain that weight without trying to gain some of it back. Uh, CC Sabathia, after knee surgery in 2018, started a vegan diet, and I believe that is what you are referencing, Jamie, uh, there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the next team up, and I, I also had a pre-show conversation with Jake in which I preemptively told him that I felt like my answer to the biggest bust potential was going to be a cop-out and it was going to be judged harshly. So I, I'm wow. setting the stage with that now. So we can start with the biggest bus potential. Jamie, where did you go? I don't judge anything harshly on this. It's almost like throwing a dart at a dartboard blind. That's what my answer feels like. Yeah, this this was the hardest one for me of the, the NFC South group we're doing. Uh, I'm going to go with a cop and answer. I'm going to go either running back. That's what I put. <laughs> I, I wrote down taking either running back as a top since, 30 running back. Since that's I'm the answer. only one on the show that's balls have dropped, <laughs> apparently again this week. I went Leonard Fournette and actually wrote a name down. And here's why. I think Rojo runs the ball better than Fournette, but doesn't catch it as well. Fournette had to play on passing downs, and playoff Lenny and Super Bowl Lenny were different than regular season Lenny. And there's this dude named Giovanni Bernard, as our boy Stephen Shea likes to say, um, that I think is going to eat into his third down work a ton. I think Gio is going to be out there more than Fournette, which means he's back to splitting carries with Rojo, and they're both going to be fresh. And I'm not how much I'm not sure how much Fournette's going to like that. But I think his he has the ability to have his playing time and his volume cut more than anybody else. So I'll say either running back. I think Rojo's production stays almost the same, which I said I think he goes over 1,000 yards. 
But I think Gio in the, in the equation here throws them both off kilter. If they both could have the answer, but at least I have the balls to put one name down. Either running back. Come on. But I do agree with you in the sense that like the Leonard, again, we have to remember how this playoff Lenny story ended up starting with him being this close to being cut. Yes. Like, I mean, I mean, so it, it's not like everything with sunshine, ro- rainbows, unicorns, and, and lollipops then gets the hurt entire time. As soon as yeah. that happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's a lot that goes into that. So, no, I, I agree with you. So if Jake has talked to me, if I have to pick one, I'm going to go Leonard Fournette. Told you. I told you I'd be judged harshly for the way I phrased it. I, I knew exactly what Jake was well, going to say. If you wrote an actual name down, you wouldn't have been. That is a right. But but I, I but I knew with the way that I phrased it and the way I was going to present it that you were going to say exactly what you said. I I I, I predicted it perfectly. Uh, biggest sleeper on this team. I don't like my name for this one either. I love my I, name for this one. I put Antonio Brown. That's what yeah. I put. I, look, I, I'll I'll bring this up again because I'm gonna I continue to fight this. I am shocked. At his ADP right now, he's going as the wide receiver 45, which makes absolutely no sense to me. He finished la- – look, he finished last year in average fantasy points per game as the wide receiver 24. He had a very, very similar target share from week 10 on as th- that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have. He's clearly got chemistry with Tom Brady. He's clearly going to be the guy that if you have to leave somebody open, like you're not going to leave Evans and Godwin open. He's, he has a nose for the end zone, gets open in the red zone. I don't know what the hesitation is with Antonio Brown at this point. There seems to be almost more hesitation now than there was last year when he was dealing with all the, the legal stuff in the forefront. Sure, is there always a chance he does something stupid and, and gets suspended? Yes, and I, I guess that you have to account for that. But as, long, as I said, all offseason, as long as he's back in, in Tampa with Tom Brady, I am buying all the way back in for fantasy purposes. He's my wide receiver 23, and he's a tremendous value in fantasy right now. So I did the Loose Cannons podcast the other night, and the, the whole show was about, will Antonio Brown be the Bucks' best receiver in 2021? And while I started the show by saying, no, good show, guys, see you later, by the end of the show, I was going, he could lead them in catches. He could lead them in touchdowns. The question of the show was, will he lead them in yards? I don't think he does that. I think that's, that's still probably Evans. I think Chris Godwin's posed for a huge monster bounce back year if healthy. But I remind you what I said last year when they signed AB, he plays all three positions on that offense, knows them well. And if AB is 85% of the old AB, which once he got his legs on him last year, he kind of looked like it. He's a step slower, so I'll give him 15% off. You're talking about one of the greatest 10-year stretches in the history of the position. If that's your three, and we're talking about how much they're going to throw. I mean, Jamie's projections are a lot like I think. I think Tom's going to light it up. I think he's the MVP conversation. If, I think he's right there with those other two guys. And that's too low. I mean, I think he's a top 30 guy. Yeah, and, and let me let me add to that point. So when we've talked about this like from week 10 on, that's Brown's second game with the team. That's also kind of been the widely discussed area where Tom Brady started to feel the most comfortable with the playbook. From that point, here's what the target share was from week 10 through the Super Bowl. Chris Godwin led with a 20.15% target share. Mike Evans had a 19.65% target share. And Tony Brown had an 18.85%. They were all very, very close to each other, all within a 1.3% target share of each other. So when they're all on the field, Antonio Brown is going to get his. He is not the same type of receiver talent-wise today that he was five, four or five years ago. And I think from a pure, just pure raw talent this stage in the career, you obviously love Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. 
But Brown is going to get a similar target share to those guys. And if either one of them deals with hamstring injuries again, like we've seen before, he's going to get the guy that gets the big bump in workload. He's going to be a player. I think all three of those Bucks wide receivers are top 25 wide receivers for me. By the way, you're talking about a guy you want to watch some workout videos. He's never been anything but that guy either. He plays a lot. And he missed a game last year with a knee that kind of goes a tweaky, freaky thing. But he's played a ton through those 10 years in Pittsburgh, right? He plays through injuries. He's going to be out there a lot as a true pro. I love this one. I, and I love the fact that he's multiple, that he's not playing the slot, he's not playing outside. And I say Jamie's point, no, he's not the same player he was. But if he's 85% of that dude, he's still really freaking good. I'm going to remind you people that's the case. And you can't be in a better situation than he's in to worry about the same stuff that people, I think people are still following him too much. Yeah. We, I mean, we all went through that, that period with the Raiders and the Patriots and everything and missing a year, but he's been nothing but a model citizen since he's been there. He's, he was living with Tom. He knows, you know, he knows his place. They'll get rid of him in a minute. They got really good players behind him. I mean, if AB wasn't on this team, I say Tyler Johnson's one of the biggest sleepers. The burning question surrounding this team. Health. Yeah. It's health, and will they continue to throw as much as they did in the back part of the season? I think yes. I don't see any reason why they won't. But if they do – The reason not, James, because they could be winning by a lot in the fourth quarter. And you go back to those two running backs being one of them is going to be fresh. They're both healthy. Then they could run it to close out games to try to keep guys – but but that means they've thrown it and put up big numbers for three quarters. So I don't know that that's really the answer. Yeah. They just got to stay healthy. There's there's a ton of fantasy value, pass-catching value on this team. The Carolina Panthers, the next team up. Biggest bust potential. I, I went with Sam Darnold. Uh, I still think people are a little bit too high on him. I know he's not he's not a guy that's been in the QB1 conversation at all for 12-team leagues. He's more of a guy that's being drafted in super flex and two quarterback leagues. But uh, I, I just think there's this assumption now that he's just going to take this massive leap forward It's possible, and we have seen quarterbacks and really offensive players in general the year or year two after they leave Adam Gase's offense have some more success. We've seen it with Tannehill and Devontae Parker and and others. But I also have seen a player that really hasn't even flashed consistently. Like, he's a player that I, you know, his home road splits are abysmal. Uh, He has not shown he can play away from his home stadium at all. Uh, He is he's been a bad fantasy player and a bad, frankly, real life player since the second he stepped into the league. Now, I know what people thought of him coming out of the draft. I know the draft network guys in particular are are pretty bullish on him and excited to see what he can do away from Adam Gase and with Joe Brady and with this group of weapons that they have there with McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall and and those, those weapons there. I just, again, I don't want to buy into something that I have not seen yet. And I have not seen Sam Darnold be anything more than poor since he's been in the league other than a couple of game stretches where he was decent enough that could could be considered a waiver wire potential claim for you with teams on by I'm not ready to buy in as this is somebody that unless you again in a league that every quarterback gets drafted that he's somebody that needs to really be on your radar I thought about that one and I like that one although I did love him coming out and I do think he plays better I will remind you that Joe Brady's called plays by himself for one year one year he was the co-coordinator at LSU people go back and look it up uh, we'll see how good he actually is I went with Terrence Marshall Jr. because Curtis Samuel is gone there's a role to fill but they are completely different players Marshall Jr. is a 
bigger, more DJ Moore kind of play on the outside guy. Robbie Anderson went in the slot last year. So while he's played with Darnold, he should have some chemistry. It wasn't in the slot. And that's where he's going to have to play if Terrace Marshall Jr. is going to be on the field on the outside, on the other side of DJ Moore. Now, while I like that combo, those three guys, that means that Darnold's playing really well and that the rookie steps right in and fills in. He's not a burner. And I think he's a coverable guy. And, and that, to me, I think he's going to get overdrafted because of the people thinking that Joe Brady and this offense with Darnold is going to be really good. Now, I said before the show to Chris, I love what they're building in Carolina. And I'm glad they're giving Matt Rule enough time to do it because I still think they're a couple years away. But this team is getting pretty good and pretty young. And if Darnold does have a resurgence, they can get him cheap. They could bounce this thing around in real football and be pretty good in a couple years. But I don't think they're there yet. And I think this kid's going to have too much hype because I think the offense is going to get too much hype as a, as a collective. So before we go on to the biggest sleeper, I, I put a name down here, and I, I, I can feel Jake ready to jump through the screen at me as I'm about to say it. I put DJ Moore down here. And, and the reason why is, I, again, to, I, will, I, will emphasize, I will emphasize what Jamie said earlier. I'm not saying that DJ Moore is going to bust. But what I am saying is if, what Jamie, if everything Jamie said about Sam Darnold is accurate, then somebody uh, uh, in this wide receiver group is going to suffer. And, I, and my bet is it's not going to be the guy he's got chemistry with in Robbie Anderson. It feels to me that it would be DJ Moore. And again, I'm not saying that DJ Moore is going to bust. I love DJ Moore. I think if this offense goes the way it's supposed to, they are going to have that chemistry. And it's going to be fine. But looking at the situation, he's going as wide receiver 21. And if, this, if, the, if the wheels fall off this, this wagon and Sam Darnold isn't very good, then I think DJ Moore's going to suffer. I'm going to remind you who DJ Moore's played with at quarterback before. It's fair. That's my only argument. It's, it's, it's I, fair. I have no problem with you putting his name down there. I think he could be really good, or I think he could be just what he's always been. If you're talking about the guys he's played with, I think this is an upgrade if Sam Darnold plays like he's played in the last couple of years and doesn't play any better. Like, yeah. Although Teddy, I will say Teddy was solid last year for them and got no credit for it whatsoever. I thought he was really, really solid last year. Yeah, it, biggest, it's go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. I was going to move us on to biggest sleeper. Go ahead, make your point. No, no. My my point is, is I I get it because he's the second highest Panther coming off the board. He's being drafted as a wide receiver too. Uh, but it, it's I I don't look. I don't expect Sam Darnold to light the world on fire. But to Jake's point, like I expect him. He can at least do what Teddy and Kyle Allen like were able to. I think he could be in that range. I just I think people are expecting him to take this massive leap that I just and be the player that people thought he was coming out of USC. And I just don't. I don't have any reason to believe that yet. And I'm not going to bet on something I've literally never seen before. Yeah. I mean, he basically has to play like he did at home. And then those two or three plays a game where he flashed and you saw the USC, okay, potential first round pick, that's got to be five or six plays a game. If he plays that consistent, like he used to play at home and, and then flashes five or six times a game, you're talking about something pretty good. But my point yeah. with DJ Moore is he proved to me that he's a true number one, regardless who the quarterback is. You're still talking about an NFL guy. Because he did it with a bunch of nobodies anyway. Like, I really like this kid. Biggest sleeper. And this is the name I'm proudest of on this I list. This is, I think we might all be on the same page on this one, no, too. No, I want to be, be alone on this one. I want this to be my guy going into the season. Oh, okay. So maybe we're not. You, you're you're going to pick, what, Tommy Tremble? I'm picking Tommy Tremble, okay. yes. I did not pick Tommy, Tommy Tremble. Tremble. Tommy Tremble is my selection here. You're going with an H-back? He's not even Look a but look at the rest of that room. Dan Arnold? Are you kidding me? I don't care what he did in Arizona. Give me Tommy Tremble over Dan Arnold. Have you seen this offense play? 
He's going to have to play tight end because they're in 11 personnel all the time. There is no H-back or fullback. That's what he was at Notre Dame. That's fine. That's not fine. That means he's not on the field that much. No, they're going to find ways to get him on the field. And I think in that room in particular, he is the guy that has the most talent and is going to stand out. I love the player, but when they drafted him, I went, that doesn't make any sense unless they're changing this offense and they're going to throw an H-back in motion or go 12 personnel, which they're not going to do with Dan Arnold. They overpaid the crap out of that. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't hate it because I didn't really like the name. I wrote down Robbie Anderson. Okay. Can't really be a sleeper because everybody's jumping on that because they played together. But I'm going to remind you, they played together in two very different positions. Robbie Anderson was an outside burner in New York and turned himself into a nice slot guy or not even that. He's like playing the other side of DJ Moore, which he moved him around last year. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a sleeper on this because I mean, sleeper means you got to put up production, dude. Tommy Tremble is not going to be a thing. So I went with and, and by the way, the, the Carolina tight end room is not great. Uh, Ian Thomas no. is the other name that we're hey, uh, Arnold, we Arnold, yeah, Arnold, all that money to Arnold not put it on the field. And we'll see if they, they we can. Uh, so to me, I went with a name that you might get nothing out of him this year, but there's also a ton of potential, and that's Chuba Hubbard. Uh, and I, I look right now at the backfield behind Christian McCaffrey if something were to happen. I'm going to read you the names, okay? It's Trenton Cannon, Reggie Bonifon, Rodney Smith, Mikey Daniel, Darius Clark, Spencer Brown. It's not exactly a murderer's row of talent. I mean, I, Chuba yeah. Hubbard is head and shoulders, knees, toes, and like platform shoes above any of those other running backs on the roster right now. McCaffrey has had an impeccable career of health up until last season. So I'm not saying that we need to necessarily account for him missing significant time. But if he does miss time, we saw how productive Mike Davis was in that role. He wasn't Christian McCaffrey, but he was a weekly starter in that role. There is no clear other option behind him right now and it wasn't that long ago, but we were talking about him as one of the best runners in, in the nation. So to me, if late in the draft, you're looking for flyers, whether you have Christian McCaffrey or not, he is somebody that is on my radar in that handcuffed territory of, you know, if he gets the opportunity, if something happens to McCaffrey, if it's a couple week injury, he's going to be a guy that becomes a fantasy starter right away. I will. Yeah, I'll go back to that. He was like my rookie sleeper coming out when we talked about him a long time ago. I think I've talked about him too much this spring and said Chuba Hubbard too many times. I almost wrote that down for that exact same point, James. To me, he's a must handcuff. I'll remind you what I said last year about Christian McCaffrey. He's the number one pick. Don't question it, but he's never been hurt. And he's not that big. And he runs really hard and he plays a lot of volume. If it happens again, you're replacing him with a guy that's a massive upgrade from Mike Davis and a guy that's mm-hmm. a year ago, we're talking about a first round pick and probably the number one running back off the board, but he went back to school, got hurt and was kind of a forgotten guy. I love that one, but it's hard to say a handcuff is going to be the biggest sleeper. You're in, insinuating there will be an injury, but I, I'm not convinced that there's not man. Once you start getting them and this team's not going to be very good. So they have no problem putting a rookie in there as that handcuff to take over for McCaffrey. If he is hurt again. The burning question, does it all have to do with Sam Darnold? Absolutely. Yeah, is, is post-gay Sam Darnold a thing? Like that's the, th- <laughs> that's the thing of like – and I know it's so easy. I know it's been the narrative, but it's really – it hasn't happened often enough where we just can make this assumption. And I think maybe we don't give Ryan Tannehill enough credit as a passer just to assume that Sam Darnold or any, any quarterback is just going to do that. Do I believe he's, he's going to have – is he in the position to have a better chance to succeed this year? Yes, but he also then has to do it. Just because you're in that position doesn't mean it's going to happen. So to me, I hope it does. 
I, w- I would like to see it. I would like to see him have some success. I, I think this Carolina team can be fun. They're not a playoff contender, but they could be fun this year. But I, I just I need to see it. I need to I need to see something that's just not narrative based. That's based on what other people have done in other offenses and other years and other scenarios. Everything about the Sam Darnold narrative right now is about things that somebody else has done at some point. It's all theoretical. I need to actually see it with my own eyes before I buy in. Yeah, I'm going to remind you, Ryan Tannehill took the Dolphins with Adam Gase to the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't like that far-fetched that he wasn't going to be any good. He changed the way he played after the ACL and became a much better passer. I agree with you. I, I think it's a great point. I mean, it's all based off Darnold. I will say to his credit, he's playing with a better offensive line than he's ever played with, with much better weapons than he's ever played with, with a running back that if all else fails, just give it to that dude. Like, just dump it off, get it oh, out yeah. of your hands. Don't he doesn't he ran around trying to make too many hero plays in New York with nobody to help him out. I don't think he has to do that. That's like the one big, the one massive upgrade in his game immediately should be if all else fails, dump it off to McCaffrey and just let get two yards, lose two yards, get 20, whatever it is, get it out of your hands. Don't yeah. be the guy that makes the mistake. This is truly a make or break year for him. Like, it really is. Like, there are no more excuses. The talents there around him. We believe the coaching is there at least a coaching upgrade around him, the, the, yeah. the offensive line around him, the weapons he has. Like there is no if if he does not succeed to some level, there's not take, I'm not saying he has to turn into an MVP candidate, but if he does not take a significant step forward this year, there there are no excuses left. Very the true. Atlanta Falcons are the last team up for us here on the show. Okay. Biggest bus potential on the Falcons. You ready to hate me, Chris? I mean, you know, because it's the same name I have written down. Kyle Pitts. It's Kyle Pitts. Yep. I, I don't think Mike it's Davis. But Ooh, go ahead. Give, give, give me your Kyle Pitts. I, again, this is another case, just like the Alvin Kamara one earlier, that I'm not predicting it. I've been high. If you've been listening to the show, I've been predicting Kyle Pitts as a top five tight end for months now. But again, if we talk about bust potential here, we are asking a rookie tight end to come in and make a major impact on offense that is poised to throw the ball less than they have over the last few years. There is enough. Well, I still think they will, even if they're going to have to, even if they're bad defensively, I don't think this is going to be a 40 plus times a game team. I just don't think they can do it, but that scares me. Like it is a chance. I'm still taking him where he is. I love him. I want him on my team. I'm not, I'm not shying away from Kyle Pitts, but we, we want to talk about potential here. I, this is the one I feel like I could be getting caught up in the momentum. Like I could feel like looking back six or seven months from now saying, Man, you looked over all of these potential red flags about this situation just because you fell in love with the talent and the narrative around it. So if I'm, if I'm going to say, hey, watch out for this for other players, I have to look internally and look in the mirror and say, this is the guy that I am saying, pushing all the red flags down and saying, no, 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 take him at peak value because I think he can be special. I still like him as a top five tight end. He's still my guy there. But I, I do have to at least acknowledge that there's a real large amount of bust potential that comes in whenever you take Kyle Pitts. Yeah, my, if he's going to play tight end, like the the word, like the actual position, not what it's turned into is like wide receiver slash tight end. If he's going to play tight end in this offense, means his hands in the ground and he's just taking a face in there. I think he's going to get broke up and he's going to be dealing with some stuff. If that's the case, I think he has big bust potential, but it's a little bit easy for me to put that down. I went Mike Davis. He's the starter. He's the guy. They're rolling through him. They're going to run it more. This defense sucks. Like, it sucks. Matt Ryan's been there for a long time. He's going to have the ability to audible and change the play. 
I think they're going to run it less than they want to because they're going to have to. Now, what you're saying, they're going to throw it less because they don't want to do and they can't do it. I don't think they're going to have a choice. I think they're going to throw it more than they want to. They're going to start games running it more consistently than they have in the past under Dirk Cutter. But I don't know that that really equates to Mike Davis doing a ton. I mean, Matt Ryan will check it down. He can catch it. He can kind of do all three things. I think he did a hell of a job filling in last year and making himself some money. Mm -hmm. But I think he has big bust potential because I think people are going to say, okay, Arthur Smith, they're going to run the ball. That offensive line still sucks. They didn't fix that. And then I I think if Kyle Pitts is playing outside, which I think he's going to play out there a lot more because they have a tight end that was a first-round pick, I think he's playing outside Julio gone. I think he basically takes that role. I think he's more of a receiver than he's going to be a tight end, which means to me, he's got less bust potential if that's the case. And Mike Davis has the most bust potential. That's that's why I went. I, I thought about this one. I didn't like it. I struggled with this one a little bit, but I, I like where I'm at now. Biggest sleeper for the Atlanta Falcons. So I went, I think everybody's going to naturally try to say Russell Gage. Uh, that's I'm my gonna answer. The, I'm going to go the other way here. I'm going to go Olamid Zacchaeus. Because I think if Kyle Pitts is out there more as a receiver, that's less likely to move Russell Gage off of the field. I like what Zacchaeus was able to do when he got to be the number three option when Julio was hurt at times last year. You know, again, this is we're talking about a bench option toward the end of your draft. But right now he's going outside the top 100 wide receivers in ADP. I have missed my wide receiver 85. Uh, Again, this is just a guy that is going to have that increased role. We saw it happen last year when Julio was gone. I think he's going to have a chance to basically be um, you know, another four or five ish target a game type of guy in that offense. So if I'm going to take, I like Russell Gage, I like, but I like his ADP just fine. Like I, I am cool with where he's going right now in fantasy drafts. What, what's the case? I think there's a little bit of upside there where he's on borderline, not draftable territory based on his ADP. And I definitely think he is a bench option. You know, the one question is how much do they go 12 personnel? That'd, that'd be actually the more I'm thinking yeah. about this with Pitts. I don't, cause then he doesn't have to be, his hand on the ground. He'd kind of be standing up at the end of the line. I went Matt Ryan. I thought about Russell Gage too. And I went, I think they're going to throw it more than people want to. Matt Ryan still wants to sling it. I think they're going to have to. I think he probably is pretty solid with those guys. Cause as we're sitting here naming four solid receivers with a real tight end, other than Kyle Pitts, I think, I think Matt Ryan has a solid year and I think the defense is still so bad. They're going to give up a ton Yeah, and this offense under Arthur Smith with a new blood and a little bit of a different play calling could still put up some good numbers. Burning question about and the Atlanta Falcons. It's just that. What does the Arthur Smith offense look like in Atlanta? Because we had such a really strong gauge on what the, you know, the Quinn Cutter team looked like. They were going to pretend they were going to run the ball, then not actually do it at all, throw the ball 43 times a game, and everybody was going to go home. Everybody in fantasy was going to go home happy. You know, how often are they going to run the ball? How often can they run the ball when they account for their poor line and their abhorrent defense? You know, is Calvin Ridley able to repeat the same numbers he put up last year? Talent-wise, yes. Will the volume come down at all? Like, all of that stuff to me is the biggest question mark because this is not this offense isn't going to look like Tennessee's offense. It's also not going to look like Atlanta's offense from a few years ago. It's going to be closer somewhere in the middle of there. So figuring out where, and by the way, those were two diametrically opposed offenses as we've discussed in the Julio Jones conversation ad nauseum. So it's going to be somewhere in that huge space between those two. How does it work out? What does the volume say? And, you know, if this defense is Dallas Cowboys-esque, are they going to be Dallas Cowboys-esque in terms of how many times they have to throw the football? So 
that that's the biggest question for me uh, about this team is what does this new offensive look like? Because we had a really good gauge on what to expect for the last handful of years. Now we're kind of in for, even though there are a lot of the same pieces there uh, in Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley, you know, Hurst is coming over from last year. There's some sa- gauge, there's some same pieces there, but I think it's going to look a whole lot different. hundred percent, hundred percent. What does this offense look like? And can the defense help them out a little bit? Well, I would remind you when Raheem Morris two years in a row took over that defense from Dan Quinn, they had a massive upgrade in production two years in a row. That doesn't mean they have the players to really sustain that, but scheme-wise and how hard they played changed big time two years in a row. That'll be interesting to see, can they get something out of this defense and can that allow them to run the ball like they want to? That, that's like that's going to be a huge question mark for me. Yeah, and and Dean Pease coming back after a year off. Yeah, I love uh, Dean Pease. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting as well. So, look, talent-wise, that defense scares me. But but to your point, last year in that second half when, when Raheem Morris took over, like they, were, they were competent. They were yeah, competent. Two years in a row, yeah. Yeah. Now, with Dean Pease, they should be much more multiple. That'll be interesting because yes. they're not going to be so vanilla with that Dan Quinn, Seattle. Yeah, the, the Seattle cover three, yeah. same stuff that we've seen, yeah. Especially when you don't have the talent to play it, like which right. they didn't. And do they have the talent to be as multiple as Dean Pease wants to be, i.e. what you've seen in Baltimore for all these years, right? I, no, but – I don't think so. No. Again, they're not going to be go- – if they can just be like 23rd, like that would be a huge win. Yeah. Just like 23rd in total defense, something like there. And again, I, think, I don't think they're going to get there, but they don't need to set the world on fire. They just need to not be horrible. Yep. That is it for the NFC South. Uh, AFC South coming to you on Wednesday's edition of the program. Jamie, where can everybody follow you on social media? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And breaking news, Chris, we're going to be doing another Twitter Spaces tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. Eastern on the Draft Network's Twitter account. So if you didn't have a chance to join us last time, we're going to be back on there, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, July 27th, Tuesday uh, we'll be talking about some of the the changes and the upgraded rankings, projections, and all the stuff. You know, how does we we didn't, we didn't have a chance to talk about the Anthony Miller trade and what that does for Darnell Mooney, what that does for Anthony Miller going to Houston. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about today that we'll talk about during that Twitter Spaces. So join us for that, and then also tomorrow morning, DraftNetwork.com front page and under the Fantasy tab, updated rankings every single position, and obviously the launch of kickers and defensive rankings as well. So that will all be available to you on Tuesday. Big Tuesday coming at draftnetwork.com now that all 32 teams have opened camp. And when Jamie says breaking news, he literally means breaking news because it was worked on in the back channel while we were recording the show. Like we both, he and I both got messages organizing this while we were recording. So this is definitely breaking news that yes. Jamie, did you drop co from your number one kicker because he lost his shoes when his car got stolen? Because I'm going to tell you, that's a big thing. Uh, They were all his favorite shoes and you can't replace them. It's a big, big deal. I did not not yet. Okay. I'm just, you might want to think about that. Watch him like shank you, go like 0 for 3 on week one. And then just, I don't like, know about that, <laughs> but it can, it can be a struggle that gets in the head. That's like a golfer changing his freaking sure, favorite iron. Gloves. And try, I'm yep. telling you, it's a thing. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Uh, that is going to do it for us here on the Monday edition of the show. As Jamie mentioned, a lot of stuff coming to you on Tuesday. We're back again with a full edition of the pod on Wednesday, previewing the AFC South. We'll talk to you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.